Hi, I'm Dr. Kamari Valentine, clinical psychologist. Welcome to my podcast, and I'm so pleased that you're joining me from wherever you are. Today, I would like to talk about imposter syndrome, which I feel is a term that we are talking about more and more, and that is utterly fantastic. So as a person, especially if you identify as being female, it's easy to feel like you're the only one struggling with imposter syndrome. It's the feeling that you're not good enough or that you don't deserve your success. You might think that you have made uh, an achievement because of luck or fluked it. Imposter syndrome is characterized by self-doubt and a fear of being exposed as a fraud. So this sense of self-doubt might be associated with feeling more vulnerable and hating feeling vulnerable, shame, feeling more stressed, feeling anxious, perhaps struggling with your self-esteem, and doubting yourself. You might second-guess decisions you make. You might not speak up, even when you know the answer or you have something to share, or be worried that you will be found out for being a fraud. You might worry that people will realize that you don't know what you're doing. You might even notice that other people have the same idea as you do, or perhaps that you have better ideas and kick yourself for not speaking up about your idea. One thing I really want you to hear is that you are absolutely not alone. Imposter syndrome is just so absolutely common And I would say more common among women because there are certain societal pressures that people who identify as women face that affect their ability to express themselves authentically. If you struggle with imposter syndrome, it's important to remind yourself that everyone, even people who seemingly have success, struggle with imposter syndrome sometimes. In New Zealand, perhaps because of our tall poppy syndrome, the vast majority of women I talk to are so scared about being arrogant or being thought of as arrogant. This is incidentally one of the reasons our inner critic, one of the fundamental concepts in imposter syndrome. So this is one of the things that our inner critic loves to live off, this fear that we will be arrogant. The critic can believe that if it wasn't there, keeping us in line, keeping our voice small, keeping the doubt going, that we would be so arrogant. So a common suggestion for dealing with imposter syndrome is to encourage people to reframe their thinking. My pet peeve, by the way, is when people are encouraged to think of something 
quite positive instead of sitting with their feelings or thinking about things that are seemingly negative. While this might work some of the time, when there is a really loud inner critic, the fake positivity or possibly even toxic positivity actually means you don't listen to your inner vulnerable and young self. So this is the second concept I want to introduce. Each of us has a young self inside, or several young selves, made up of memories of being vulnerable at different times in our life. Perhaps it's the memory of being bullied. Perhaps it's being criticized by a teacher at, say, the age of five. Perhaps it's a memory or a series of memories of an older sister making fun of you when you were seven. So hopefully you get the idea. These memories exist for each of us and are clustered together because of the common feelings they have. When we talk about this inner vulnerable child, what we're talking about is a collection of memories where we felt vulnerable, small, ashamed, embarrassed, and so on. My deepest wish for everyone is that we can recognize our inner vulnerable child and validate this really important part of us. So to understand where imposter syndrome comes from, we need to really understand and validate that inner vulnerable child. Now, how does this work with the critic? We have a saying in schema therapy, which is one of the Um, types of therapy I was trained in, that where there's a vulnerable child, there is a critic, or the other way around, right? Wherever we hear that in a critic, there is likely to be a vulnerable child, a collection of memories. Let's say a little bit more about vulnerability. So vulnerability is often seen as a weakness, But in reality, it's one of the bravest, most courageous things we can do. Vulnerability is about being honest with ourselves and with others, about admitting that we're not perfect and that we don't have all the answers. It's also about being open to learning and being open to growing from our mistakes. The critic might want us to be perfect. And we might have a rule that if we aren't perfect, then we're being an imposter. And that very notion sets us up for failure. So instead of the critic running the show and perhaps um, beating us up for feeling like an imposter, we might actually validate our in a vulnerable child, and we might congratulate and celebrate ourselves for being brave enough to step outside our comfort zone. Simply feeling like an imposter doesn't make us weak or incompetent. In fact, making mistakes is essential to learning and growth. Another thing that can get in the way of changing our ideas about ourselves is downplaying accomplishments, right? Not accepting compliments and praise. 
We might do this because, once again, we don't want to seem arrogant or conceited. But when we fail to acknowledge what we've done well or fail to accept praise, we have limited chances to develop our confidence, to develop a healthy sense of self-esteem and move past feeling like an imposter. Imposter syndrome can mean that we focus on our perceived failures rather than our accomplishments. This focus can feed that inner critic. So one way that we might counter this self-doubt is by building a list of our successes, by allowing ourselves to praise ourselves, no matter how small it might seem or no matter how much the critic um, knocks it. Because when we start focusing on what we can do and we allow ourselves to feel praise, we start building up our self-esteem. Now, I want to say something about shame. This is a feeling that often accompanies imposter syndrome. Shame is different from guilt. Guilt is about something specific that we think we've done wrong, whereas shame is a general feeling of worthlessness or inadequacy. It can be incredibly debilitating. It can have us holding thoughts like we're not good enough and like we don't deserve love or happiness. These thoughts can lie at the very heart of our vulnerable child mode and may have arisen in the context of very painful memories. If shame is something you struggle with, it's important to remember that you are absolutely worthy of love and happiness, no matter what anyone else thinks or says about you. You are capable of making mistakes without being a bad person. We all make mistakes and we all have flaws. You might remind yourself of the things that make you special and unique. Uh, You might try not to compare yourself to others because this comparison only leads to feeling inadequate and insecure. Now, that is all very well to say and most of the advice I find is about trying to change our feelings cognitively trying to convince ourselves by rationality and analysis. I'm going to suggest a different approach. First, I suggest we recognize and validate that inner, younger mode. That there is a part of us that is struggling. I would love for you, and for that matter, everyone else, to see a little child inside a a, a little child inside ourselves and treat that little child with humanity and respect with the same kind of gentleness that you would a real child, if you will. 
Next, or at the same time, I strongly suggest doing gentle practices to soothe the nervous system, trying to soothe and validate that inner vulnerable self. By doing this, we build our capacity for holding emotions, including difficult emotions. You can learn five of my favorite strategies when you sign up to my newsletter, and the link is in the Podbean podcast description if that's where you're listening to this. Uh, Hopefully, it's wherever you're listening. And if you can't find it there, please visit my website, which is www.kamarivalentine.com. When you sign up, I send you a video with five practices, some of which are a little bit unusual, that are about soothing and resetting the nervous system, holding and tolerating emotion. Next, we need to shrink our critic, perhaps by understanding how it trips us up. Lastly, we need to build up another part of us that we could call the healthy adult. We all have a healthy adult, and this is the genuine part of us that can hold our feelings that can hold us being authentic and real. It is not a part that simply shows positive feelings, but that is whole and complete. The part that can hold all the other parts. I hope that this spoke to you, and if it did, please share it. Please spread the love. I would love to hear about how you found this podcast and which of the um, tips spoke to you, which you might try using, and if you have any questions. I have just put a box on my website um, where you can ask a clinical psychologist, that's me, Um, any question that you would like me to answer on the podcast. So while I can't respond one-to-one, I would absolutely love to address that in my podcast. I hope you have enjoyed listening to this show and hopefully learned something. I'd love to hear from you and I will catch you next time. Take care.